The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 21. There cannot be a crisis tomorrow. My schedule is already full. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Yeah, I thought I would have a little fun with that quote this week. That was a that was a good one, right? Uh, the reason I came up with that quote is because today's episode is all about scheduling and a lot about crisis, which we all have in the dental office. But the person that gave us that quote was none other than Henry Kissinger. Now, this guy, this guy's got, he's really an interesting guy, right? He's really polarizing. Some people love him. Some people hate him. But let me just tell you the good stuff about this guy. Now, of course, it's the, the, the Wikipedia stuff is that he was the National Security Advisor and Secretary of State for President Nixon and President Ford, right? So, of course, that's a very controversial time in our history, the Vietnam War and stuff. He actually negotiated the end of the Vietnam War, and for that, he got the 1973, ding, ding, year I was born, uh, Nobel Peace Prize. But it was, it was controversial because he, you know, negotiating politically stuff, it was really... Really questionable, some of the stuff that had to happen to get that done. But his early life is what I've always found super, super interesting. Uh, Now, he was born a German Jew in the Weimar Republic. And he was, for his family, and he he they were forced to flee. The Nazis, right? But almost like the, the, the movie with Brad Pitt, he came back with a vengeance because he came back during the war, and uh, because of his really good German accent, that's where he's from, he quickly rose through the ranks, and he became a sergeant in the military, and he was even at one point given control of one of the cities to rebuild after the war, and he did such an amazing job. He just continued to rise through the ranks higher and higher and higher, of course, eventually reaching Secretary of State status. And uh, the guy was just really, it's an amazing guy. If you get a chance, read about this guy. He's really, you know, when I was a kid, I remember seeing him on TV a lot, and he's got this really thick accent, but he's just a super smart guy and made a lot of sense. But I thought that quote was really, it was kind of funny, but it was really true because I just don't have time for a crisis today as there's no room in my schedule. And that's that's kind of the way we are at the dental office every day, right? When somebody calls in with a toothache that's killing them, but we're, we're already slam-packed. Well, today's episode is all about how do we do with that because this is an honest to goodness thing that happens in everyone's dental office pretty much every day of the week and we have i believe found a really good way to deal with it and today's episode more than any other episode we've ever done i'm laying out exactly how this stuff happens in my practice and if you've always wondered how's he do that you know is it is it crazy is he making this up i'm going to lay it out exactly how we do it so if you have any interest in doing the things we do you will be able to listen to this episode and start doing some of those things next week, okay? So everybody, get ready. Here we go. So the best ones out there, they always ask questions. Because if you don't ask a question, how could you ever possibly come up with a solution, right? There's no way. If you just let things continue to roll every single day, and you never question why is something in the way it is, never going to change. It's impossible. So you got to ask questions. you got to be thoughtful. 
Well, this is a good one. Watch the money. Okay, as much as I am all about spending money to try to improve things, I'm also pretty darn tight when it comes down to it. You can't just spend money on everything. Lord knows I wouldn't have the Cyric and the comb beam if my accountant hadn't told me I was going to have to pay tax on that money because uh, I'm just too tight. You know, I just, you know, I just couldn't figure out anything else to buy, so I got them. But uh, normally I am super tight. That's why I was digging around the rubble looking for instruments, right? I, I, I don't want to spend any more money than we have to. You know, and we, I think later on i got a good slide on this, but do you guys all keep up like with your supply percentage? So what, what do you try to keep your supplies at? What do you keep yours at? Six? Six. Do you all work with this guy out here? Five? Five's good. Five's my goal, actually. So I, give, I have uh, Jackie. Jackie on the left. She gets a good little bonus every month when she keeps our supplies under five. Um, it doesn't happen much. It's tough. Five's tough. It's, you know, you can do it, but it's, it's tough consistently. Um, she's always coming there saying, now, Dr. Griffin, do these implants count toward my supply bill? <laughs> say, well, did we get paid for the implant when we put it in? All right, well, yeah, it counts. Do your best. Actively seeking. Like I said, I don't know what I'm up to now. Gee whiz. I'm over, way over 1,000 hours CE, probably close to 2,000. So I'm always looking for something. Podcasts, every time I work, you know, every day. I mean, obviously, you can tell I don't, I'm not like weightlifting to a, a large degree, but every day I try to work out about an hour doing something. And um, every day I'm listening to podcasts every single day. I've got a, you know, my iPhone, got my little list of 12 podcasts I rotate between. Every time I get a down moment at the dental office, I've got my stack of periodicals. I'm flipping through, tearing stuff out, putting it in Evernote, you know, stuff I like. You know, so always be looking for an edge. I would have never have known that a dentist could bill out medical billing for sleep apnea devices if I hadn't been looking for that a few years ago. I just happened upon it in an article. And then next thing you know, I'm doing sleep apnea appliances, billing medical, and I'm actually lecturing at a sleep apnea conference in May in Dallas, right? So you just if you don't look, I would have never found that. I had no idea. Those four things, look at you. So, now, see, this is one thing I do like about hygienists. I, you guys are writing on those sheets. You guys are so good. They're so, yeah, look at it. The doctors, man, nobody. Zero. The doctors have got nothing on their sheets. The hygienists are like, boom, this is what we're doing, Doc. I mean, if you could just do one per each segment for the year, it's better than nothing. Most dental offices don't do any of this. They just don't. They just go through the day, go home, and then on Monday morning, they're like, oh, I've got to go back to work. But you're, if you can solve this, you don't feel bad about going to work Monday. All right. So, now, this is my overhead. This is one of my overhead lectures. All right, so there are five parts to overhead in the dental office. Staff cost, supply cost, hard cost, then to offset those costs, if you can make your production surge, that's good. And then uh, also, marketing. It is an overhead you have to deal with. So 
let's look at the, let's start off with this first, the tack and the staff costs. Toughest one for us because you love everybody and you hate to fire them. But you got to look at it. <laughs> Man, that's okay. That's okay. You know what? Uh, hey, I was, you guys ever heard Dr. Mark Hyman speak? Have you heard Mark? Yeah. You've heard, have you, nobody's heard Mark. Anyway, he's currently the highest paid speaker in dentistry. It used to be Gordon Christensen. Now it's Mark. Uh, I actually am friends with Mark a little bit. So I called him, I called him up one day and I was said, man, I'm really trying to improve my speaking. You know, look, can you give me some hints and whatever? So he's like, uh, he was telling me some stuff and I said, hey, what do you do if somebody's phone goes off in a lecture? He said, oh, that's easy. I go down and I, I ask for it, for the phone, and I start talking to whoever's on it. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I said, I'm not 100% sure that I'm comfortable with that one, but uh, supposedly that's what he does. So if you, ever see him in, if you ever see him speak somewhere at a conference, let your phone go off and see if he actually does that in real life. I would like to know. You know, 20, 28% is acceptable. 20 is awesome. I actually have guy, an actual guy that I'm working with right now. And I'm not sure how I'm going to solve this one because his total overhead is in an okay place. You know, it's not great, but it's like 60, 60 to 62%, something like that. So it's good. But his staff cost is like 15%, and his marketing cost is also 15%. I've never seen that before. He is spending as much on marketing as he is on staff people, which I think is totally backwards. Right? He's not doing as well as he wants to. It's probably because he's spending all this money on external marketing, so he's getting in patients that don't already like him. I think if he had spent more money on staff, make them really love on the patients, get more referrals, he would do better. But uh, that's going to be a tough one to sell because he's really proud of his marketing, like really proud of it. So a lot of it depends on the way you practice. If you have, in this booklet I gave you guys, you know, that, that thing right there, the special report, uh, Dr. Bob Willis from Tulsa and I sort of jointly wrote this. And in there we go through, we outline what we call the four different styles of practice. And one of them is a boutique, we used to call it boutique, now we call it advanced service practice. Uh, your staff payroll is going to be lower than normal, but your lab cost is higher, which just makes sense. You're doing more expensive stuff. Uh, and like I said about the roller coaster, you're going to have higher peaks and lower valleys. Then there's the high volume practice which is what I probably did the first few years after 2005 before I started working in more of the advanced services. And that is where pretty much everything is geared just shooting people as many as you can through the practice and doing low-cost dentistry that's easy to get people to accept. And if you do that, of course, the low-cost dentistry doesn't give you as much production and you're going to have to have more staff to shoot them through, so you're going to have a higher percentage. The good news about that type of model is you do have less of a roller coaster effect on the production. It's pretty easy to keep that one stable. What I really like now is having a good solid baseline of high volume stuff every day. So like if we've got a hygiene day with 30 to 35 hygiene patients coming in, you know that's going to be a good productive busy day in hygiene. I know that I'm going to do a good amount of general dentistry on a day like that, but you know sprinkle in some implants, sprinkle in some braces, sprinkle in whatever that's more of an advanced service and now you've got a really good model sort of a hybrid model 
Bob and I in the book, in the report, we call it the triple quad practice because there are four quadrants of dentistry, boutique, high volume, um, government quadrant, which I hope everyone wants to avoid, and then there's the hybrid quadrant, the sort of the, what we call the triple quad, because it's like you got four quads, well, you just want to be in three of those. You do not want to be in the government. Which concept superior? I mean, do your own deal. I like the hybrid, but you can do what you want to do. Here are staff costs. Now, when you look at your profit and loss statement, be sure that you are considering all of these different things as part of your staff cost. Because if your staff person wasn't there, you wouldn't have that cost, right? So that's really a staff cost. Now I'm, you know, look, if you don't, if you want to take everybody on a trip this year and you don't really want to count that, you know, I will look the other way because that's okay. Because you could almost say that a trip to improve team morale was kind of, uh, wasn't really a staff cost. It's more, you could even call that, I don't know what you call it, probably marketing if you wanted to. But anyway, all this other stuff does count. One of the things that we do in my practice you know, of course, I buy everybody, every quarter I buy them three new sets of outfits because we try to match. I don't know. I don't know if you have to do that. It's what we do. But let's say that, you know, they want to build up and they want me to buy other stuff. I don't really like to get into that because some people like sweaters and some people want this or that. So we do a thing, though. We do have a bonus in my practice throughout the year where we, when we hit our daily goal of 12000 they all get to draw a, you know, draw a little slip of paper out of a box. Um, and, you know, I don't want to give them tons of money in there because it's, you know, they'd be hitting it all the time. And it's like, I don't, but I do want to reward them. And so I'm thinking, okay, I do have a $50 and $100 in there, but most everything is what we call practice dollars. Has anybody ever heard of that concept? I mean, I didn't make it up. I don't even know where I heard it, but... Practice dollars is anything that you could spend in the practice that you could use on a daily basis. And I'm pretty liberal on it. So let's say a person builds up $100 or $200 in practice dollars. I'm already buying them an outfit every quarter. There are three outfits, right? But let's say there's some awesome tennis shoes they want to wear to work. Well, if you've got 200 practice dollars, then we buy those shoes for them through the practice, you know, and it's a uniform. You know, we normally wouldn't buy people a pair of shoes, but if you've got $200, you can use it however you want if it's something you use every day at the practice. Now, a lot of people use it to buy logoed sweaters, uh, you know, like the little cardigans or whatever. Um, if they want, if they didn't like the way they're, they're uh, we don't wear scrubs. We use golf shirts and khakis or golf shirts and scrub bottoms. Uh, but if you don't, you know, some other girls don't like the way this fits or that fits. And if they want a different, you know, for the rest of the quarter, they got to wear black on Wednesday. So if they want a different fit and shirt, build up some practice dollars and we'll get you one. It's whatever. But that way, I don't have to field all these questions about, hey, I don't like this. Can I get something else? I'm just like, well, look, get enough practice dollars and do what you want to. Or you can buy it yourself, whatever. Cut back hours, man. So this goes against the grain. If you're trying to save money, I will just tell you that every, not everybody, but most, over 50% of the people that I've worked with to cut back days from five to four, from four to three, whatever it is, usually their total production does not dip and many times it goes up. Now, it's sort of, a, it's counterintuitive. The only thing that I can figure, and that's true, when I went from four days a week to three days a week, this is a fact, Jack, 
We went up $250,000 that next year, working three days a week, total production for the year. The only thing that I can think of that caused me to go up that amount is because I was so scared that my money was going to go down because I was cutting that day out that I got super serious and super focused and super productive on every the other three days. That's the only thing I can figure that makes any sense. And so I assume that's probably the same thing that happens when I see this happen in other practices. But if you cut back hours, you know, a lot of times your production will stay the same, but you have fewer hours that people are there, you have to pay them. I don't love that strategy. In fact, at my own office, believe it or not, me and old Dr. Griffin, I actually tell people on Thursdays, if you want to stay till you get your 40 hours, you're welcome to, as long as you're actually doing something that's in your job description, or if you get approval from your team leader. You know how many people take me up on that? Goose egg, Zippo, ever. Nobody ever wants to stay past 12 on Thursdays. Occasionally, but I tell you what that does do, it cuts down on the complaining when people say, I don't make enough money, because they can't say that to me, because I'm saying, okay, stay and get four more hours on Thursday if you can do something. I don't care. Uh, they can't say that, you know, if that if you're offering that, but they don't want to stay. You can juggle job titles. Um, this was really, for me, as I was going through the transition from the fire to getting back in the swing of things, uh, you know, this was, we just had to do combinations. For this, I had always kind of believed that it was better to have this person have this job only, this job only, this job only. As long as you can keep straight who has the ultimate responsibility for a task, like, I have to be able to go to Lapita if I have a question about the day sheet. But she absolutely can delegate out herself different parts of finalizing this day sheet to other people as long as she knows that she's responsible for it, right? So you have to, we had to do some combinations. And if you juggle job titles, you can get creative. And you can, for a short period of time, you can do without some people that you probably have. Okay. Now, this is a big one. Let's see. And then you'll see, remember this picture, okay? Now, it used to be, in my practice, cancellations were bad. In fact, I've had not one, not two, not three, but four different practice management consultants that have told me, you have got the worst hygiene cancellation rate I have ever seen. Four have told me that. Now that I've done some consulting myself, I've seen other ones that have bad ones too, but mine is pretty crazy. But I'm about to tell you how we solved it. Now, we know at my practice that cancellations are fine as long as they're managed. Now, how in the world am I going to manage cancellations in a way that doesn't hurt the practice? Oh, remember that picture? The thing that I hate worse than anything in the world is, a high, is an airline that overbooks seats on an airplane. I hate them. I think it's evil. It's evil and bad. However... I got to thinking one day, because, not you guys, but my hygienist, let's say I had three hygienists, each of them had 10, 12 patients booked. I always call it the shotgun schedule. I go about 10 o'clock, I usually get through with a big case or something, and I'm stretching my back, and I go look at the schedule, and some of the time it looks like somebody took a shotgun and fired it off right through the middle of the dentry schedule sheet, and it's just like, Phew, where did the schedule go? I have no idea. I got tired of that because my hygienists, even though I love them and I hate them, were back in the back drinking Diet Cokes and reading People magazines, and I'm thinking, what the heck? You know, 
we got more than we can do at 8. we got more than we can do at 3 or everybody's busy. And then right in the middle of the schedule, it's empty. You know, nobody's here. So what can we do? Well, we decided that you can't do this, by the way, caveat. Do not do this with one hygienist, okay? Don't do it. It's bad. If you have at least two hygienists, though, man, go ahead and book three columns. If you got three hygienists, book four columns. I know it's scary, but I promise you it works every time it's been tried. And the, every time I have a coaching client that says, oh, man, we're getting ready to do this hygiene thing, but, boy, my front desk is scared. My hygienists don't like it. I'm like, okay, I'm, well, whatever, but I'm telling you it'll work. I'm like, did you, how many cancellations did you have today? Oh, I had six. Okay, well, I mean, you want to solve it or not? Well, I want to solve it, but I'm scared. And so anyway, this one guy in Nashville, <laughs> he, had two, he had three hygienists, and one of them was always doing nothing because we had a bunch of cancellations, right? So I told him about this for a year. He fretted over it. He was scared to do it. Hygienists didn't want to do it. Staff didn't want to do it. He was scared of it. So time goes on. Finally, he calls me four or five times. Finally, I didn't hear from him for a while. So I call him up one day. And I was like, because uh, I knew he liked to duck hunt. And I said, man, I've just drove through Stuttgart, Arkansas, and you would not believe. I just saw a tornado of ducks out here. And he's like, wow, really? He said, man, I'm going duck hunting there tomorrow, actually. He said, I'm fired up. So anyway, I said, so how's it going? He's like, oh, man, I've been meaning to call you. We finally did your hygiene overbook strategy. You won't believe it. I'm running four hygienists now and booking five columns. It is unbelievable. So I'm like, okay. So I mean, it's really and truly, I mean, this works every time it's been tried that I know. But you got to have some rules. So... It certainly cuts down on the damage that no-shows do to your practice. You cannot make a person show up for an appointment if they don't want to come. And I don't know how many people, who, who all here does confirmations? Now, no, you don't do confirmations. You're a doctor. Who physically does the confirmation calls? Okay. Will people lie to you in Oklahoma or is it just Mississippi? Okay. She's telling you the truth. They lie. They are liars. They say, yeah, I'll be there. Nothing. They could care less if they're not having a problem. So I know that occasionally you feel like you're going to hurt a good patient by the strategy, but I'm going to tell you how to solve it, so don't worry about it. Okay, ground rules. Don't do it one hygienist. Like I said, so on and so forth. This is just a quick shot I took with my iPhone of my schedule. What? What? This is, a, this is like an easy day. What are you talking about? I'm joking. Now, this is a pretty full day. It's a pretty full day. But look, look. It's four hygienists, five columns. One, two, three, four hygienists, right? And five columns. We actually booked the fifth column. Now, my day over here is not that bad. So what are you guys laughing about? What? The route board. That's how. I really didn't mean for this to be a hang-up in the lecture, but you guys seem to have a... So tell me what you guys are thinking. What are you guys thinking? Well, okay. I told you earlier, when I'm booking my side, when I'm booking my side, I always cheat and add either 10 or 20 minutes to the, to the appointment. 
Okay? So normally, I'm usually, I'm 20 minutes ahead of schedule on my side, and my hygienists are always putting stuff on the board 45 minutes before they absolutely have to be checked. So I'm flying through my stuff pretty fast, and I'm just, I've got tons of time to run over and check them before they get through. I mean, I'm not a chatty Cathy or anything, but yeah, okay, so I use this. So, this is on the wall. I walk in, I see the guy's name. I'm not like a genius memory guy or anything, but I remember a little bit about them. They got their wife's name on here, their kid's name, whatever. So I'm like, hey, Brian, what's happening, man? If I remember some little something about them, I just chat with them. I'm mainly just talking to them. My hygienist, on the other hand, because I love hygienists, she's got the dentrix chart open, and she's got little circles around the teeth she wants me to look at, right? Right? You guys do that for your doctor? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, a, it's called a watch. It's called a watch. Yeah, so, so there's little red circles where I'm supposed to look. So I'm just chatting it up with Brian, and I'm putting on my gloves while I'm talking. I'm multitask, right? Mirror Explorer, pick them up while I'm talking. Then I'm like, all right, let me look in there real quick. So as I'm looking, I look over here, and I know i got to look at 314 and 29. So she's already, you know. And, and i tell you what else she does for me. She, she, and I shouldn't fuss at hygienists because they're so good to me. Because she'll have a little piece of paper laid out right beside the patient. So right beside, so it's pointed toward me where I can read it. So i got the circles on Dentrix, and then she's written out. 29 gum line, 14 lingual gum line, stuff like that. So, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i just talking to him, and I'm looking at those, and I'm like, you feel that? Well, maybe a little bit. Man, we're going to have to fix that, man. So, anyway, I don't ever talk over the patient. I don't get specific. And then I'll be like, okay, all right, well, we're going to fix you up. Don't worry about it. And as I'm leaving the room, I'm like, all right, 14, 14 lingual resin, 29 DOFLI, uh, four units. I just sort of say that under my breath as I leave the room. So the hygienist, in her infinite wisdom, writes what I just said down on the orange card and radios with their little radio to the front desk. I got a treatment plan, room three. So somebody from the front desk trots up there, grabs the orange card off the side because she's now polishing because she loves polish. And they take the orange card back to the financial room. By the time the patient's out of hygiene, Lapita is back in there, she's like, or she radios the hygienist like, hey, uh, we're about to check out here, we're about ready to check out in room three. So Lapita now has got her financials figured out for those two fillings. She trots in there, and she's like, hey, uh, Brian, Dr. Griffin said he wanted me to go over this with you real quick and see if you want to do these fillings. And so she goes over the financials, and there you go. Usually, he's over on my side, because like I said, I'm usually way ahead of schedule. That is usually how it happens all day long in my practice. Yes. Okay. If they show up in hygiene. So, have any of you guys ever heard of assisted hygiene? Have you ever tried assisted hygiene? How long does it take to see an adult? If it takes an hour without an assistant, how long does it take with an assistant? Let's say 30, 40 maybe. So, in the rare, because I got nine ops, in the rare instance, everybody shows up. Like, phase one of emergency lockdown is I'm going to send one of my assistants to hygiene, right? Let's go do some assisted hygiene and let's bust it out. Let's give them one of my rooms 
We'll seat some of their patients on my side and the nine ops. I'm never using nine ops. Uh, six ops on my side. So we do that. That's like part one of the strategy. Yeah. DEFCON 2 is, I will admit, about twice a month, good old Dr. Griffin has to clean some teeth. I hate doing it. I hate doing it. I hate doing it. But uh, I have got two assistants that can do coronal polishing. So it's not that big a deal. You know, my assistants do the x-rays and Basically, when I clean teeth, all I do, I mean, I guess I do the hard tissue exam. They do the x-rays. I'll do the probing, which I hate to do. Oh, my God. And, uh, and I will do the scaling. And then they come in and do the coronal polishing and fluoride. Right? That's, that's that. But that happens once a month, maybe, 10 times a year. So to make sure that you don't have these daggum shotgun schedules in hygiene, would you be willing to clean 10 people's teeth in a year? Okay? That's the way I look at it. Or would you rather just suffer every single day and watch your hygienist get $300 to drink Diet Cokes and read People magazines? That's the way I look at it. I just can't stand it. I cannot stand that. I could not stand it. So, everybody's happier when they're, they're making more money when they're working anyway. Well, I have three clinical assistants and Lapita, who was the clinical team leader and now the office manager, she's not above doing anything. She's not above being assistant. She's not above coronal polishing. She's not above cleaning a toilet that stopped up, right? She does it all. Um, and, and then I'm currently my receptionist. She's also about to go through um, assistant school at the local community college. So I do believe in cross-training just for these DEFCON situations. So there you go, guys. Uh, some really challenging stuff today. Some really challenging stuff. If you want to uh, throw your front desk person into a tizzy, let her listen to this episode. She'll have 100 questions. Uh, she'll probably tell you it can't work in your practice, but I promise you, if you fight through it, it really can work, and it's really amazing. It really helps everything if you can keep that schedule more full, right? And, and we're, we're all about keeping the schedule full without reaching those DEFCON situations like we talked about. So uh, as always, thanks so much for listening. We enjoyed this episode as much as any that we've done. I feel like this is as much of a cookbook as we've done on this thing. It's very uh, laid out for you. If you want to follow the outline, you just head out and follow it. And if you or your front office person you've let listen to this or whatever, if you have any questions, of course, go to the, the contact page at drchrisgriffin.com and you will find a way to reach us. And we promise we will reach back out just as quickly as we possibly can, right? Unless you, unless you catch me at a time where I'm fishing or on the golf course or farming or something like that. But even then, pretty much check that every single day, every single night. So, Everybody, thank you so much for your kind attention. Thank you for all the support and uh, the feedback we've gotten. And uh, we will see you guys next week. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in. Hey.